Indiana two periods of play is Northeastern two. And Merrimack one, our guest for this second intermission. Final time, we'll, we'll get a chance to talk to him before the uh, before the Christmas break. It's Mike McMahon from the Eagle Tribune and also uh, the Warrior Regret blog at warriorregret.com. Well, Mike, that second period seemed as though... Uh, Last play, the last couple of nights, finally coming back to fight the Warriors. That first period last night, a lot of what we've come to expect, I, I suppose, from them over the last few games. In the second and third, uh, Northeastern turned it back on them. First period tonight, maybe even, but in the second period, Northeastern outplayed uh, uh, again and finally cashed in. Yeah, that was the, the big difference between tonight and the night before, is obviously last night. Uh, again, you know, Northeastern, I think, had to carry the play in the second period. Last night, didn't get a goal, and Merrimack did. Uh, but here tonight, you know, they're able to, to put one in the net. Next for a couple minutes, uh, take the lead here, and, and yeah, you know they they had Merrimack on their heels in the second period, just as I thought they did last night too. And now it's uh, you know one of the first times all year that this team I, I don't know if it is the first time all year, although I don't think it is that they've gone into the third period trailing. But if, if they haven't gone into the third period trailing very much, so it's uh it's going to be interesting to see how they respond here. Yeah, it certainly will. Uh Trying to decide whether it's is it think is it what Northeastern's doing is Northeastern's play is that uh, because they are clearly the club that the Warriors have had the most trouble with so far here uh, not BU not BC not even UNH I thought even though they did end up losing that UNH but just watching the game Northeastern is giving them the most trouble of any of the teams they face so far so trying to figure out here is it something that Northeastern's doing is it the five games in nine days is it a combination is it something else I don't, what do you think. You know, it, the, the one glaring thing I think when you look at it is just getting pucks in the net. You look at the shots on goal, 16 shots on goal. This team's averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 or 36 a game. So when you get 16 through two periods and you, you're averaging eight a period, I mean, that, that's the first thing that sticks out. And, and I think a lot of that is a lot of what Northeastern's doing. I think they're doing a good job of packing things in. I don't know the numbers in front of me, but it seems like they've blocked a ton of shots. Uh, I think that's a lot of, you know, basically Northeastern's doing the things that Aramac's usually very good at, which is sort of packing it in and getting bodies in front of pucks and getting bodies in, in passing lanes and just not, you know, not allowing the offense to do a whole lot from the inside, sort of trying to make it work for the perimeter. Face-offs as well, 27-14 uh, in favor of Northeastern. That's pretty one-sided. Yeah, and, and that's something that really hasn't happened much this year at all, uh, which is funny because in the years where Merrimack has struggled, face-offs has been a category that they've struggled in. And, uh, you know, this year, obviously, they're having some success, and, and I think they've won more face-offs than they've lost. Than they've lost. So uh, it's one of those things. I know I know, Coach Denny, he's talked about it a couple of times. It's the first the first battle of the game uh, is face-offs. So when you get a – I mean, you've got maybe 60 or 70 of them in the game that you get that possession, whether it be in the zone, whether it be taking the puck in the defensive zone and able to get them out. I mean, it's obviously, it can really swing momentum, whether it be just from getting the puck out of the defensive zone or, or creating chances for yourself in the offense. The absence of Chris Barton, does that hurt tonight? Uh, I think it does, yeah. I mean, certainly he's one of their better forwards. Uh, I, I like the way Brandon Brodock's playing on that line. I think they're very similar players, too, in the sense that you know they're both sort of guys that go to that those dirty areas and aren't afraid to, to park out front and take a beat to get their chances. But, uh, yeah, you know, obviously it hurts. It, it definitely hurts when you lose not only your captain, but obviously one, one of your better goal scorers, too. He's already got a goal tonight to Costa, but it looks certainly looking at second period as when things weren't going their way as the Costa was trying to take the team on his back and find a way to get them back in. Yeah, that's what good players do. <laughs> you know, there was a couple of times there, I thought, especially in the power plays where, uh, like you said, he was just trying to take over. I mean, and that's, but that's what happens. I mean, we've seen it happen here against against the Warriors a lot in recent years, whether it be, uh, 
you know, Gustav Nyquist last year in a game up in Maine just taking over in the last five minutes and scoring with a couple of seconds left and getting a win for him. So your, your, your better players, your best player, oh, they're supposed to do things like that. Talking with Mike McMahon, the Eagle Tribune, WarriorRickRat.com. The score at the end of two is Northeastern two. Merrimack one. As we mentioned, Mike, the last time that we get a chance to talk to you for a few weeks here, uh, I don't know if we'll see you out at the, on the Army and the RIT trip, but either way, uh, we won't get a chance to talk to you until after Christmas. Uh, so why don't we take a look at the first half, uh, pending the, the final score, the result of this game at least. Uh, the Warriors coming to tonight's game at 7-3-4, and 5-3-3 uh, and three in, in league play. How does that compare with what maybe you were looking at or projecting earlier in the year? You know, I, I thought, I picked them fifth in the conference. I thought they could be a home ice team, um, but I would say what they've done so far has surpassed even what I expected. I mean, if 7-3-4 and four through, first, through 14 games, if someone were to tell me they only would have lost three out of their first 14, I probably would have told you you were nuts. <laughs> you know, especially winning a season series in BC. I thought BC was far and away the best team in the league. Uh, they still might be. I mean, we've got a lot of, long way to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've surpassed a lot of what I thought they could do uh, in this first half. I thought they could be a home ice team. I obviously, you know, with what they've done so far, I, I think they certainly are could be uh, certainly could be a home ice team. They're one of the top five teams in the league. Uh, I'm just not sure if I expected to see the type of results that we've seen so quickly. I mean, out of the gate, I think you could make an argument right now that they're one of the top three teams in the league the way they play. And uh, it seemed to me as though a key much of the, the first half here has been that they've gotten so much scoring from guys other than the big guns, if you want to call it that. But on the other hand now, you take a look at the last three or four games or so, even though their record's pretty good, it's been those two or three guys that seem to have been doing more and more of the scoring, and the other guys are tailing off a bit. That's, a, I think, a bit of a cause for concern and something that they need to, that, that, that's got to get back to the way it was earlier in the season pretty quickly, even up until, again, there's only 20, maybe 25 minutes left here before the, the break, but uh, I think they need to get a number of those other guys going again after Christmas. Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the one of the things that stuck out to me after last night's game, obviously one last night's game 2-1, to one, but it was the first time all year their goals per game average dip below 3. I think it was a 2.93 this morning. Uh, so, you know, obviously 3 is, seems to be that magic number. That's where, where most of your good teams are 3 or above. And, and a lot of those, I mean, you're not going to average 3 or 3.5 goals a game by having 2 or 3 guys who can score. You're going to need some of those lines uh, to be able to pick it up. That that third line, uh, well, the freshman line, I guess you could call it, with Wide, Bates, and Collins, uh, certainly was scoring more in the beginning of the year than they have been lately. That's a line I think that you could get going, especially uh, in the second half. I mean, as you get those guys that get a little more experience under their belt. I mean, obviously, you know, they've played, well, really, they've sat out that Niagara game, so most of them have played 13 games here of college hockey. So as they get going, I'd expect to see them to sort of pick up some some, some of the slack uh, from an offensive standpoint. And then, you know, you, you, just, you need it from everywhere. You need it, whether it be guys on defense uh, that can get you some points in the power play, maybe. Uh, it definitely needs to come from more than just one line. I think uh, those those teams that have just one line and nobody else, oftentimes, might do well in the regular season, but when you get to the playoffs, when you can take one line away and, and take away a, a team's scoring ability, those teams tend to pull pretty quickly. So I absolutely think you're going to have to see it get going from some of those other lines. All right, I'm going to ask you for a couple of uh, first-half awards. I know it's not technically the first half. the 15th game. The, really, the first uh, half ends up uh, ending on January 1st, and the 17th game out of 34. But still, uh, first of all, uh, your unsung hero here. Wow. You know what? I, I'd have to probably give it to one of either Matson, Sheen, or Flanagan. I think that line, I mean, absolutely has been, on most nights, their best line. 
and often doing things that you don't see show up on the score sheet. So I actually wrote about him the other day. You know, if I were to give it to one guy, I'd probably give it to Flanagan, only because I think you know he's he's been at he's been able to do some things offensively too that hasn't really resulted in a ton of points, but certainly has done some chances for himself and, and has been a part of what I think has been the team's best line really throughout the first 14 games. Is it another tough one for you, rookie of the half year? <laughs> Oh, man, that is a tough one. Uh, you know, I'd probably go with Jordan Haywood. And, and again, you know, it, it's not things that are showing up on the score sheet. I just think from a from a stay-at-home standpoint, I think he's brought something that, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's lacking, but something that you don't usually see from a freshman to be able to go out there and, and play the type of defense he's played. Uh, from a forward, I think, and obviously you get the three forwards that play together most nights. Uh, Bates has impressed me a lot. But I think uh, if I was going to give a, a rookie of the half year, I'd probably give it to Haywood right now. Ellis has looked pretty good as well. But, uh, yeah. And uh, finally, uh, this one might be a relatively easy one, MVP of the half year. Uh, Joe Canada, well, without question. I mean, when, when this team has struggled, and especially in the second period last night was a perfect example of it, uh, when they've had some struggles and, and, and opponents have been putting pressure on him and they've been on their heels, more often than not, he's been bailing them out. So without question, Joe Canada. Did you get a chance to go in the bouncy house? Uh, I didn't because my son was sleeping, unfortunately. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted an excuse to go in there, but he was snoozing. All right, Mike, great to see you as always. Happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Folks can check out your work at the Eagle Tribune, eagletribune.com, and also warriorregret.com. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Happy holidays to you as well.